This is an ABC podcast. You'll get to the top of the step and your name will be called. Please drop to the academic, so tip of the cap. I walk up on the stage wearing my hat and gown, feeling very proud, but also a bit weird. That's reporter Wen Kwang at her graduation ceremony. It's being held two years late because of COVID delays. And like so many other students from the class of 2020, Wang had waited and waited for this day to finally come. So again, when you get to the top of the step, your name is Paul. I'm Fazadraki, and this is Days Like These. I graduated from the University of Melbourne holding a Master of Journalism with first-class honours. So Wang's got her Master's, and now, as she shakes hands with the university dignitaries, now she's just got to work out what to do with the rest of her life. And as I'm on the stage, I start thinking about my mum, who I haven't seen for three years because of COVID. Down at the stage, I could see my classmates and also their parents sitting at the back. But my mom is in China. Although she wants to watch my graduation through Zoom, she's terrible at technology. So I have to ask my friends to take photos and videos so that I could send it to her later. As a child, I always remember a saying from her, That means... God will always reward you if you work hard. And now I'm graduating from one of the most prestigious universities in the world with a degree I study in English. This is exactly what my mom has told me. My friends and I are at a pub after the graduation. They haven't seen me for a while because last year I moved to Sydney to work. We have been friends in Melbourne for seven years, so they know what I want to pursue. I tell them I'm actually at a crossroad right now. I've been a journalist for a while, and I've been writing for a few major media outlets in Australia. But deep down in my heart, I always want to write a novel in English. But whichever path I want to pursue, I want to do it here in Australia. To do that, I need to get a new visa. And to get a new visa, I need to ace an English test as part of the requirement. I came to Australia in 2014 when I was 17. I still enjoy having a coffee and an avocado toast for breakfast. I love hanging out with friends at pubs and have a craft beer. Before COVID, I used to travel back to China, and I felt like I traveled to a new country rather than my home. And all my relatives started to comment that I became so Australian. They said, even the way you pronounce the A sounds so Australian. But you take British English education at school. From 9 o'clock tonight, international travellers will be unable to enter the country, but citizens who have either come into contact with people who have returned from overseas or they have returned from overseas themselves. China has changed completely as well, even before all the zero COVID policies. And because of this, when I'm thinking about my future in the pub, 
I imagine it happening in Australia rather than China. So I have to figure out what kind of English test I should sit in. There are two types of English tests, computer and in-person tests. And some of my international student friends keep recommending me to do the computer test. And the reason is very simple. They think computers are less racist. I'm not saying that the human testers are racist. But if you study English as a second language, you will know there's a stereotype that links Asian accents with bad English. If you are sitting in a life-determining test, you will want to avoid any possibility that could fail you, even if it's not true. And a computer test could give you more reassurance on that. As you can hear, I do speak with an accent. So do my friends. I come from a really proud Cantonese family, and I want to keep my Cantonese accent. You could hear me clearly right now, and you understand what I'm saying. And I look up at the machine testing website and check the price. Almost 400 bucks. And then I check the in-person test. Over 400 bucks. Well, I'm a poor, fresh graduate, so I will always choose the cheapest one. So I go back to Sydney and I book a test in June. I still have one month to go, but I just can't be bothered to practice the test. I'm very good at English, right? I don't need to waste my time. But there's another voice in my brain. This test is very expensive. So I start to Google what kind of test it is, what kind of questions they are going to ask. And I could see clearly that they care a lot about speaking. And this is when a very familiar voice entered my brain. I'm Thomas Ariti. Making news, the RBA governor says the bank will do whatever's necessary to bring down inflation just hours... One of my jobs is an audio producer at the ABC. And I work with Tom closely because I need to edit his interviews all the time. And after listening to him for four hours every day, Thomas Ariti's voice become my inner voice. So I start to practice and prepare for the test in an unusual way. Every time after I edit Tom's interview, I write down what he has said. It's like a dictation. And then I will read it aloud myself at home, as if I'm the news radio host. I'm Thomas Doherty, making news. The RBA governor says the bank will do whatever is necessary to bring down inflation. It's the D-Day. I'm in Sydney CBD, one of the streets that's full of financial buildings. I enter one of the buildings and I go up to level five. I see a lot of students already waiting there. They look very anxious, but I'm not. Why? Because I have Thomas already. Surely they're not going to beat a national radio news host, right? But let me tell you how this English test works. So under the Australian immigration system, there are five grades of English competency. 
the worst one is called functional English, which means you can't speak English at all. The second worst is called vocational English, which means you can just speak a little bit English. And the third one is called competent English, which means you are okay to handle daily conversation, but it's just a scrape through for you. The fourth one is proficient English. This is where most tertiary education students would be required to achieve. The final one is called superior English. That means you speak excellent, exactly very good English. I'm confident I've got superior English. And a few weeks later, I'm in a Japanese restaurant in Melbourne with some experienced journalist. We are talking about a project that we have been doing for a year. At the table, my phone beeps. I received this email from the tech center. It says, I just got competent level of English. I look at the screen, so shocked that I can't speak a word at all. The other journalists stare at me and ask me what happened. So I show them the phone and they are speechless too. One shakes his head as he sees the score. You actually speak really good English, he says. And this is ridiculous. I think this is ridiculous too. Right after the lunch, still walking on the way back to the office, I already take my phone out, log into the system and sign up for another test again. 400 bucks gone. But this time, it's actually a little bit more than 400 bucks because I also buy a lot of materials and mock tests from their official websites. I'm gonna spend two days or even a week just doing all these mock tests because my Thomas RIT strategy isn't working. I go for my second test, feeling confident. The result comes quicker this time. A few hours after taking the test, as I'm sitting in a cafe eating a cake, I receive the email. It says, I got full marks in writing. Yay! Then I check my speaking. 59. That's an even worse mark than last time. I sit in a cafe for a while staring at the score. I'm angry, frustrated, humiliated. I am a journalist writing English news for the ABC. I produce an English podcast for the SBS. And now this test is telling me my English is actually not that good. In fact, it's just okay level. So I go to Twitter, post about my score and rant about it. And because I write a lot of Chinese Australian news, a lot of them actually follow me on Twitter. And some of them start to give me suggestions on how to win this test. One of them gives me a phone number. And that's how I meet James, the man who changes my life. It's a rainy Saturday morning, 9 a.m. I never get up that early on a Saturday. I come to Haymarket and enter a very old office building. On its ground floor, there's actually a K-pop store. So I walk up to the level one 
and I see a lot of Chinese accounting and law firms. Among them is James' office. I walk into James' office and I can see two rooms. All the walls are full of A4 papers. They are all testimonies about how great James is. And then I see James sitting in the middle of the classroom. He's in his early 30s. He wears a grey tracksuit, which actually looks like his pyjamas. He's very casual and somehow a little bit laid back like an Australian. He's also a Chinese migrant. Back in China, he was an English teacher helping Chinese students to ace English language tests that they need to take for studying abroad. It's a multi-billion dollar industry in China because studying abroad is always in high demand. James reckons he can help me ace the test by beating the machine. Here are his three tricks. Number one, speak without pauses. Number two, no intonation. Number three, speak with a low pitch. In other words, speak without emotions, speak like a machine. He gives me an example of what kind of voice the computer likes. This chart gives information about projected population Australia. The items here include Series A, Series B, and Series C. The largest figure can be found in 2001, the smallest figure can be found in 2001, which is about 20. Overall, this chart gives information about projected population Australia. So that's the reason why I failed the test. Because I don't speak like a machine. Because I speak with emotions like a human. James says I'm a special case though, because most of his students do speak bad English. Sometimes he has to tutor them from basic grammar rules to telling them a new word to prepare for the test. But with me, he says, he's just going to teach me tricks on how to win the machine because the machine feels I speak too much like a human. James tells me not to worry about the low scores because my English is superior when speaking to people. Rather, he's not that confident in speaking with native speakers, but he's sure that he can ace the test because he knows how the machine wants. I end up having six one-to-one classes with James, and together it's a little bit more than sitting in one test. So I spent around 1500 bucks on the test, plus around 50 hours preparing for the test in English, a language that I'm speaking every day. While I'm preparing the test, I realize how hard the last few years have been. I think about April 2020, the year when the former Prime Minister Scott Morrison told international students to go home. These visas and those who are in Australia are under various visa arrangements. They're obviously not held here compulsorily. Uh, If they're not in a position to be able to support themselves, um, then there is the alternative for them to return to their home countries. Now, Australia is facing a skill shortage 
and the government wants students and migrants. But they prioritize getting new people rather than keeping those already here, the ones who stayed during COVID. Some of James' students in Sydney are thinking about moving back to China. They think it will be easier for them to get Australia's permanent visas if they apply from China. And another thing that frustrated me is that as a migrant, you are not allowed to complain. I have people asking me, since you complain so much about Australia, why don't you just go back home? You choose to immigrate to Australia. It's certainly your responsibility to suffer. But look, I'm a human. I'm not a machine. Isn't that also an Australian dream that if you work hard, you get whatever you want, right? This is exactly what my mom's told me. God reward you for your hard work. I work really hard. But this English test is denying me. It's telling me all the things I've done in the past eight years isn't worth it. So I call my mom. Why? I cried. I asked her, for all these years, you teach me that I need to work hard. I do work hard. And my mom says, I'm so sorry. I've been giving you a wrong lesson. Life is unfair. Even if you work hard, sometimes you just won't get the award. So it's the third test. I'm not as confident as the past two ones. It's a really sunny day, but inside the building, it's a bit cold. There are nine students waiting there. I'm put to sit on the number nine desk. And the number 10 is a middle-aged uncle. And I can tell that this is his first exam because he doesn't know the rules. He has his phone with him and he just looks so lost when he talks to the examiner. But that's none of my business because I'm just so stressed. I enter the exam room. There are 10 desks with balls in between. They have computers on them and above the computer, there are cameras. In the middle is the instructor's seat. The examiner comes in and gives us instruction. In particular, she emphasized we should not shout at the computer because the computer will end up picking up our voice anyway. So I put on my headphone ready to start, just like all other students. And that's when I find out the number 10 guy doesn't understand the exam at all because he starts to shout at the computer. His voice is just so loud that I try to block his voice with my heifer, and that doesn't work at all. Our first task is read aloud. On the screen, we are given a paragraph and we are asked to read it aloud. And I start to find that I pick up his voice in my brain. I try to focus on my text. It's just so hard. And then it comes to the second task. I think it gets worse. 
This task asks us to repeat a sentence we hear from the clip. I try to focus on what the computer is saying to me, but his voice just keeps coming again and again and hitting me like a thunderstorm. In the end, I actually miss a few words. I see the screen turn into the writing task. I try to read what the question is, but my mind starts panicking. And as I leave the room, I could still see number ten is working. I'm so exhausted, so tired. I put my key in the wrong locker. I also spent a couple of minutes in the lobby waiting for the lift, without realizing that I haven't pressed the button. I'm sure that I have failed the test again. I text James, of course, and says, "I will see you again." James replies. The test sucks, and I feel my life sucks as well. Then my friend Sean tells me I actually have a Halloween party tonight, and I completely forget about it. We need to dress up, and in the middle of the streets, I panic again, thinking about what to dress. Sean says he's going to dress up as Bluey from the kids' cartoon series. So I also grab a Bingo costume. Bingo is another character on Bluey. I go back home, try the outfit, and I can only pull it up to the waist because this costume is for a three-year-old. I take a selfie and send it to Sean so that both of us can have a laugh. And as I'm testing him, my phone beeps. It's an email from the test center. I can't believe it. I get almost full marks for my speaking. James' training works. I beat the computer. As the night falls, Sean and I meet up at Newtown Station. Neither of us have the guts to wear the kid costumes, so we just wear the bluey and bingo mask. We head to Marrickville, where the house party is. Everyone is so nice there. There's even a really cute Labrador. He's so excited about the crowd, and he keeps dropping balls at my feet. So I pick up the ball, throw a few rounds with him, seeing him coming back and forth. I meet new people. Someone gives me an opener so that I can have my beer. In the middle, a bonfire is set. It's a perfect Aussie night. That was Wen Kuang, who is now enrolled at university to study translation, and is still working as a journalist. She tells us she's working on a novel in her spare time as well. Alex Lolback was supervising producer, and our executive producer is Sophie Townsend. Our sound engineer was John Jacobs. You've been listening to an ABC podcast. Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio, and exclusives on the ABC Listen app. I'm Louisa Lim. If you're a fan of days like these and you're looking for something else to listen to, I'd love you to check out my podcast, The King of Kowloon. It's the story of a Hong Kong graffiti vandal and of the city itself. 
He was completely mad, completely bonkers. He was incoherent. He was certifiable. There's a piece of memories within all of us. For my generation, we have all had a piece of him in our mind. He wrote of dispossession when no one else did. He became a celebrity artist, a fashion inspiration, a muse, and then a most unusual icon. When the city exploded in protest, its people did what their king had done, covering the city's walls again with protest calligraphy. The city was in a fight for its life. You can hear it by searching for The King of Kowloon on the ABC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.